Hi, I'm Nigel Hughes. I'm a director in epidemiology at Global R&D at Janssen, but also project lead of Eden. And I'm welcoming you to actually episode two now of, uh, of season four of the Voice of Eden podcast. I'm delighted to actually have as a participant uh, in uh, this episode, Eric Sutherland from the OECD. Hello, Eric. Hello, um, Nigel. I'm going to uh, ask you in a time on fashion to introduce yourself, um, maybe a little bit of background on you and your career just for the for the audience in terms of context. And we're going to have uh, three conversation points or prompts, questions that I'll take us through. But uh, but very interested to um, well focus in this episode in uh, around aspects on, on digital health. But over to you, Eric, in terms of an introduction. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here, Nigel. Um, I remember when we first met a couple of years ago, and I was so thrilled with the work of Eden um, to to have evolved from that point to being here on this podcast today is a, a bit uh, stunning for myself. Um, my name is Eric Sutherland. I'm a senior health economist with the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, otherwise known as the OECD. If you want to learn more about the OECD, I suggest to your listeners that they go back to season two, episode two, uh, where Julian Oderkirk, who is actually my direct predecessor, um, had uh, given a fantastic overview of the OECD's activities. Um, and I would certainly uh, suggest that it makes sense to look at that. For my own part, um, I have... Uh, I'm a relatively relative newcomer to the realm of health. Mm -hmm. My back background is as a Canadian, uh, which you may be able to tell because of my uh, very plain accent and the fact that I apologize for things constantly. Um, when I go backwards, though, I actually spent 20 years in the financial sector, uh, working at a large top 10 global bank. Um, and through the fullness of time, I decided that while the work was interesting, it wasn't feeding what I wanted to be doing and what impact I wanted to be having with my life. And so I often refrained that I wanted to get my soul back. So I made a decision to leave the financial sector and look at roles of the public sector. Having said that, my passion was always in and around data and data enablement and quickly decided that uh, roles in health were certainly the, going to be the most important and impactful area where um, I would both be uh, engaged and potentially could actually meaningfully help. Um, since then, uh, I had roles in Canada in uh, Canada's largest province, Ontario. Um, and a couple of roles in at uh, the federal level where ultimately all centered around uh, data governance, information strategy, and the most recent role was actually in Canada trying to guide uh, collective action uh, toward a pan-Canadian health data strategy, um, which mm -hmm. has actually been very interesting work and has uh, been uh, very notable in the news of late in Canada, where federal government has agreed to significant additional transfers to provinces and territories, uh, where 
uh, there are some conditions on those transfers associated with understanding the uh, better sharing data and understanding the impact of health on uh, uh, the actions that promises are taking on the health outcomes of Canadians. Um, and a lot of that is also associated with making sure that the data foundations in Canada were, were strong, were robust. Um, right. Having done that work, I then, uh, Jillian actually had told me about a year ago that she was planning on retiring from the OECD. Um, and I decided to throw my hat in the ring um, and was successful and joined the OECD at the beginning of December last year. And mm -hmm. having uprooted my family uh, to from Canada to move to Paris, which I will say is one of the more interesting and shocking things to do uh, at the particular time in life that I'm at. Uh, but it has been a fantastic experience and it allows me to uh, strengthen the connections that I've managed to make in the last couple of years with people in Europe and, and internationally to actually uh, continue to create this, I'll say, a coalition of the like-minded toward mm -hmm. uh, the better uh, applications of data, the better use of data, the better uh, maturity of our digital foundations in the overall health ecosystem globally. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that fabulous introduction and a very broad-ranging, as you say, in terms of, in terms of sectors geographies, roles, um, and and just to, to pick up on a few points. So firstly, thank you for the shout out for, for Jillian's uh, episode in uh, season two, episode two. I'll put a link into the write-up for uh, for this episode as well, which I think will be good. Um, but um, a couple of points that's really come in my mind. Firstly, what's striking is I've met uh, a lot of people over time who come into health from the finance sector. And particularly, maybe you know, well, some similar roles to yourself, yourself maybe, but but also you know, broad, more broadly as well. And I, I, I don't know if there's a a trend or a phenomenon that we're not necessarily picking up on, but there's there's definitely some you know a movement from finance into health. I'm not, I I can't com comment if this is as much on the way in reverse from health to finance, but but certainly uh, in the former, definitely that seems to be very curious, and and actually therefore a lot of learning and cross-pollinization, I suppose, from the finance sector and utilization of data and all those kind of aspects. That's, that's yeah, the, the, yeah. The, uh, I, I would say a cliche, so to speak, is that from at least a data uh, governance and maturity perspective, health is about five years behind insurance and insurance is five years behind finance. And then okay. other social services are five years behind health. Um, right. And uh, so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for people from the financial sector to immediately land on the ground and make meaningful impact in health. And I would also say for for folks who, you know, have spent a good 20 years doing interesting mm -hmm. things in a bank, the opportunity to actually provide some uh, where where the distance between the work that you do, mm -hmm. uh, the distance between the work that you do and the benefit received by individuals is incredibly short in health. 
whereas in banking, it can be a little harder to find that link. So it's a very meaningful job. And if you simply go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, working yeah. in health is one of those higher order activities, whereas uh, banking may be a bit lower. So I think that there is a hidden trend in there. And I would definitely say that there are opportunities for uh, us within the health realm to do more active engagement to try and pull some of those um, uh, community and socially minded individuals from the banking sector into health. Yeah. Part of the problem there is, frankly, the compensation is, uh, ranges are yeah. vastly different <laughs> between the two. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, there's a there's a balance between money at the end of the month or year. I suppose, and, and, rec and recompense in your role from that perspective financially. And maybe the more to your point, I suppose, uh, almost even altruistic aspects, I suppose, of, of giving back to society or impacting, as you say, much more directly on, on in this case, in, 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 uh, healthcare. So, no, interesting points, actually. No, thank you for that. Um, and, and also, as you say, we met, what, a few years ago now, actually, kind of trying to remember if it was, it was during or pre the, the onset of the pandemic. And, um, it, around that time, I think, but but certainly linked to your work on, on, the, on the Canadian strategy around health data. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, just at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, I recall yeah. June for some reason. Uh, so it's at the point where I had just finished work on writing a framework for data and information governance within Canada. Right. And I was looking for how to take that to the next stage by finding re realistic use cases. And one of the things that I reflected in Canada quite often is that uh, we are uh, not one health system, we are 14 or more health systems right. in Canada, right. and thereby we're very analogous to the European Union, but yeah. at least the European Union has common legislation and that was why I was so thrilled with things like Eden, because it demonstrated that you can actually do yeah. collaboration across countries, across sovereign entities. And I thought that that type of innovation that Eden's doing in a Canadian context is exactly the type of use case that Canadians needed to be aware of. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, surprisingly, I think I'm a part of your coalition of the like-minded in that respect as well well and um and certainly i think um yeah you know core well, a core principle to to eden is, is, the, is the concept of federation obviously and, and you know, keeping data local and hosted where it is and protected where it is uh with with current current social technical firewalls and so forth um but, but also obviously supporting the kind of nature of open science collaboration between data partners and researchers and vice versa and so forth but irrespective in some respects of of, of hard borders or real borders or digital borders and so forth um, and indeed almost embracing that there are differences that we can work with those and so I agree totally yeah I think whether it's Europe Canada and so forth you know, that that approach I think obviously lends a lot uh, not just in terms of the data but also the people involved as it were I think you know in terms of the collaboration and so forth because it you know it it allows for certain sensitivities that we are aware of around health data and so forth, but can kind of build on them also without uh, being too disruptive, uh, which I, I think is a, is, is, a, is a significant challenge otherwise, yeah. Um, especially so, when especially when the, the constituent parts of that want to collaborate together, want to uh, still recognize their own uh, local autonomy, 
uh, to actually make individual decisions, but recognizing the value of cross-border collaboration. Um, And that's why, again, I I think that the the work that you've done uh, within the Eden framework and and the outcomes that you've achieved are things that everyone really does need to know about. That's very kind, Eric. Thank you very much. And we're certainly doing our best, including via this podcast, to do so indeed. But but yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, going forward in the future, I definitely believe we'll see more uh, federated networks and more interconnectivity and eventually, ultimately, a, a global network, which we're already seeing, really, in terms of Odyssey and you know, the observational health data science and informatics uh, open science community where, where we're utilizing OMOC common data model and, and, and tools and method skills from. Um, and, and certainly that interconnectivity is, is definitely there. It's not the technology. That's really not the challenge anymore, I, I believe. I don't think that's naive to say so either. But, but certainly there needs to be the kind of will and that commonality of thinking as, as you outlined earlier. Um, so in your and moving to your current role, uh, so you focus a lot in your introduction around health data and utilization of data and so forth, but I believe your role is a bit more expansive and more in terms of, well, digital health, if that's, if that's you know, maybe the correct term in terms of where you're focusing on, on now. But obviously, and some of the challenges we have uh, anyway, is that there are many definitions of different terms, aren't there, in terms of what we use. So, so maybe it'd be good to start with your definition of digital health from your perspective and your role at the OECD. Absolutely. So when when I arrived at the OECD on December 1st, uh, it happened to be have been a large meeting of the countries in our health committee about um, the activities that were happening within the health division to advance various topics. And as I was introduced to the group, I was introduced as the new digital health lead for uh, for the OECD. So I am very much uh, embracing that role. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I would say based on my background, which as you rightly note, uh, has really been focused in around health data and health data governance. Um, I thought uh, I, I've experienced rather the uh, challenges of working across the data and digital perspectives. So one of the important things that I've done for my own self is recognizing that digital health doesn't really have a really solid definitions. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's defined more toward the technology side and sometimes it's defined more toward the whole health system transformation side. Based on the experiences uh, I've had in especially developing data strategies, I've chosen to define digital health in my mind and in the work that I'm doing in this way, where it's inclusive of a digital layer of the technologies that talk to each other, technologies that talk to people, and ensuring that all of those linkages are secure and protected. It's inclusive of the integrated health data that ensures that data are collected, uh, are curated, are of good quality, are linked across different data sets, and are made available for various uses. And the layer of analytics, and in the health context, that analytic layer is really focused on the use case of clinicians using data to provide excellent care for, for their patients 
individuals using their own data to understand and achieve their own personal health outcomes and the various secondary uses of data, inclusive of public health monitoring, health system improvement, and going over into research and innovation as well. So uh, that is a giant umbrella. And I fully acknowledge that that is a giant umbrella. The challenge, however, that I observed is that by focusing on only one layer without considering all three layers interacting together mm -hmm. between the digital tools, the data, and the analytics, it, it created siloed policies and siloed solutions that created greater fragmentation that made it harder to integrate all the various layers into a coherent ecosystem at the at the back end. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm actively choosing to define it in that very broad way, but also trying to find very practical methods to actually create uh, useful guidance um, mm -hmm. from our perspective in order to really help uh, countries evolve into what I'm framing in that sentence, bring together those aspects of digital tools, integrated data, and trusted analysis uh, into really what is an integrated digital health ecosystem. Fabulous. No, that's fantastic. Thank you, Eric. And let's, let's pick up on a number of aspects that you, you covered there. I mean, one first and foremost is that you point to this, this continuity and consistency of, of health data across the whole um, clinical interaction right through to the research workflow and, and everything in between. Um, but as really, I suppose, the lifeblood of, of, of digital health, of course. Um, and and certainly also other aspects there. I, I think you, you you point to the need, you know, in terms of I'm bringing up a definition here that a lot of people use around what the difference between real world data and real world evidence. But you know, real world evidence is often viewed as real world data plus analytics. And, and to your point, you said trusted analytics, of course, as well. Um, and uh, and that's obviously trusted, I suppose, in terms of not just the, you know the data itself, but also the kind of the socio-technical, you know, the governance aspects around trust and, and, and everything beyond. And we covered that actually in the first episode uh, of, of this season as well with, with Mackenzie. Um, but but also more, more importantly, I really like the point you made about how different systems are basically need to talk to each other. You know, talking with clinicians, but talking with patients and so forth, and then talking with researchers and, and, and third parties and others as well. Clearly, therefore, demonstrating that deriving from the data, we need meaningful insights, I suppose. We need to be able to have, you know, meaningful and actionable insights for, for all those parties, as it were. Otherwise, it's it's interesting, but rather useless uh, information. Um, but but due to the transactional nature of our healthcare systems, particularly in the, in the Western world, i.e., you know, you go to see someone because you have a health complaint, they do various things, i.e., maybe diagnostics and so forth and take a history and all those kind of things. Um, but also there's some form of plan and which may involve some interventions, you know, treatments, surgery, I mean, you name it. Um, and, and, and obviously, and more latterly, and sort of curiously, I suppose, only in the last number of, of years since the late 20th century and into the 21st, much more emphasis on outcomes as well. Yeah, I think in terms of um, what, what works, what doesn't work, um, 
what issues are there in terms of you know benefits but also potential risks and adverse events harms and so forth as well but also how can we inform everyone from from an individual i.e what do i what are my options as a patient for x illness and for a clinician what can i offer as it were and, and the multidisciplinary team and so forth right through to at the higher echelons and you've worked obviously in, in, across all these media all, all these uh these areas as it were but, you know right up to the policy area and so forth and governmental and so on i you know what works what doesn't work what do i pay for in terms of healthcare within the healthcare system and so on so you know all driven increasingly uh by you know by data today i suppose and and and, and essentially you mentioned about frameworks and ecosystems but you also mentioned about guidance too so maybe we could elaborate on that aspect as well yeah actually and it might be helpful um because i, I i've I've conjured this picture in my head that yeah. helps understand, like give orientation to the system where wherein right. how these three layers fit together. Okay. If you think of the digital layer as your pipes, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. the data are the water that flows through the pipes. Yeah. And you also need to have the outlets that you know allow the, the water to actually be accessible and used. And in that whole ecosystem, you need to make sure that there are appropriately quality checks, there are standards and guidelines around what the quality of the pipes are, what the quality of the water needs to be, what the quality or quality of the outlets are in order to optimize the entire ecosystem. And the reality is, if you have water without pipes, you get mud. If you have pipes without water, you get nothing, you get air uh, flowing yeah. through. And if you don't have the receptacles at the end in order to actually allow that water to be unleashed, then you get backlogs and jams and you get this situation where you're drowning in data and you're starving for insights. Uh, Or rather, if I use a slightly extending my own analogy, you're drowning in data and thirsty for insights. Um, That might actually be a nice way of a nice turn of phrase if it hasn't been coined yet. Um, but I think that that analogy around the pipes, the water, and the outlets is actually yeah. a good way of describing why these three layers must be interactive together, uh, as opposed yeah. to solving them individually. No, that's a fantastic analogy. I love that actually, in terms of the pipes, the water, and the and the outlets, as you say. But in particular, the risks of mud and uh, and 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 back backlogs and so forth as well. Um, and of course. That I suppose logically brings a few other questions to your to, to analogy. I mean, one of the key ones, I suppose, is who's responsible for the pipes? You know, who who puts the pipes in, as it were, and who puts in the outlets, and then who ensures the the correct flow, as you say, you know, the quality and the flow of the water, as well as the quality of the pipes and the and and the outlets and so forth. There are a lot of things going on there, as it were, and 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 what we see, I suspect, in, in, currently today, at least is multiple stakeholders are involved in, in different elements of those, whether it's, you know, putting the pipes in or or maybe and or maybe looking at the quality of those pipes and so forth and being responsible for that. Do you have any views on that in terms of what you think is, a, is an effective implementation of your, your analogy, as it were, within the kind of healthcare framework? Yeah, and I think that there are there are, as you say, lots of people who are uh, mm-hmm. working on what the I'll say the standards, the quality standards are for each of those three aspects. And yeah. frankly, having those standards in place and clear within 
countries around the world or within jurisdictions around the world is absolutely essential because it must be made calibrated to their appropriate local context, especially from a, a cultural perspective, from a capability perspective, from a capacity mm-hmm. perspective. Having said that, there are opportunities certainly to learn from each other. Uh, and there are opportunities for a level of um, consistency or harmonization um, uh, across those countries, because frankly, that harmonization allows us to lower cost because if we have consistency around what the pipes are, then mm-hmm. it means that the cost of manufacturing those pipes should theoretically come down. If we have consistency mm-hmm. around how the taps should operate and how to actually trust that the taps are actually be, uh, being used in an effective and responsible way, then mm-hmm. again, it can be more, you get to the points of economies of scale and you get to a point of greater trust, especially if your water filtration mechanisms are consistent and you understand and communicate that in a consistent way across various organizations. So while there are lots of activities happening necessarily within individual countries and jurisdictions, um, Mm -hmm. I think that there certainly are equal activities that are happening at uh, transnational and international levels. I think of groups like the ISO, I think of groups like SNOMED and ICD, I think of groups Mm -hmm. like the work that Odyssey has already brought up. Um, There's work around international patient summaries, all of which are trying to do some aspects of standards around all of these things. I think that there are, um, it's not clear yet who, um, if there is a, uh, a singular entity that is, has overall accountability for all of those aspects. But I do think that across all of those different organizations, what is absolutely essential is collaboration, cooperation, openness, transparency, because what we want to make sure that we're fostering out of all this work is, uh, and, and forgive the uh, alliterations here, uh, we want to be discouraging destructive duplication where multiple groups are defining standards for the same things that don't actually work and fit with each other. And we want to be encouraging is conscious collaboration where organizations are designing what they're doing in the context of what other organizations are also doing. And I think that that uh, trying to drive to that conscious collaboration across organizations is one of the things that will help all of us. Because there, if I define the 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 umbrella of uh, digital health, inclusive of digital data and analytics, there is so much work to go around. Uh, <laughs> so it's not that any of us are going to be bored. I just yeah. want to make sure that as that work is happening, it's done in a very coherent and collaborative way. One of the challenges we have is that it's really hard to find uh, the the innovation. So as much as we have the FAIR principles, uh, where Mm -hmm. the F is around findability around the data, I think it's actually interesting to think of the FAIR principles where the F is findability of the policies and the standards that underpin these systems in order to really encourage better collaboration, cooperation. Uh, across organizations, both within countries and certainly across countries. No, absolutely. No, wonderful. Um, what I really have enjoyed so far in our conversations is how you've basically built layers upon layers in terms of your proposition, I suppose, in and around digital health and and, and the use of data. So going from the 
the, uh, the the water and the pipes and and, and the outlets analogy, which I think is a great one. It also reminds me that quite often uh, I've not heard it so so much more recently, but for some time people were calling data the new oil. <laughs> Maybe it's more data is, is water, but uh, and, um, and 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 definitely for our health provision in the future. Um, as we know, you can't go without water for very long. <laughs> so, well, I, so yeah, it's it's I, rather prohibitive. So, <laughs> I, I'll 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 explicitly say I have very loudly said uh, in in right. uh, prior uh, talks that um, data is a new oil really provides the wrong analogy yeah. because oil is an exhaustible resource. Once you use up yeah. the oil, it's gone. Yeah. Whereas water is actually a renewable resource okay. uh, over and over. So you can use and reuse and reuse water if you have the appropriate filtrations and mechanisms Indeed. and quality standards associated with it. So actually, I do think um, data as, as water is actually quite appropriate. And it is also appropriate in a health sense, as you said, because water gives life. And yeah. so in Absolutely. that same way, data gives health. Yeah, no, totally excellent. I love the way you ran the circle there. Um, but also, I love the phrase actually because you talked about conscious collaboration. Um, so, so you know, which which actually introduces the the aspect of 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 proactivity, as it were. You know, where we need to be active rather than passive in in, in all of this. Um, and indeed, conscious collaboration would therefore reiterate, you know. I would assume common goals and aspirations and, and visions, as it were, of what, what's being built, what's going to be utilized and so forth, and what the outcomes are expected or, or otherwise. Um, but importantly, again, in a national but transnational, as you say, and it's not global perspective, and we live in we live in a global village. And I would posit in terms of ultimate innovation, maybe the the key goal where all other innovations will feed into. Is that wherever you are in the world with x illness disease or injury or whatever your outcomes should be the same or similar putting aside any specific biological or other other differences as it were um so whether you're going to a community clinic uh, in in kenya or an outpatient clinic in new york um for, for x disease your, your outcomes should be similar we are far from that of course in today's world unfortunately but that's possibly the ultimate aspiration in terms of global health, supported, I suppose, with, with global digital health. Yeah, and um, th and that that's manifest in objectives that there's uh, work that work that the World Health Organization, the OECD, and others are working on universal health coverage towards 2030. And a big part of that is around the equitable access to to care without financial barriers, um, and wherever and whenever you need it. And so I think uh, that aspiration is certainly out there. It even ties to some of the sustainable mm -hmm. development goals. Um, yeah. And I think one of the opportunities that we have is really how do we make it easier for organizations to uh, connect and find the things that have already been done, mm -hmm. the lessons that have already been learned, such that yeah. they can accelerate through the early stages and avoid the missteps that countries before them have made in order to be able to get to the point of having an integrated digital health ecosystem that actually drives the value for their populations as appropriate, while they're also able to contribute to global objectives at the same space. Absolutely. So you've alluded to some of some of, of what I'm going to ask next in terms of 
you know, some of the international standards that have been developed so far, so far, so so far. Sorry, and and also in in terms of some of the collaboration so forth. But but in today's world, in, in respect of digital health, what would you say stands out for you in terms of what's working, and also maybe conversely, of course, what's not working? Well, I I'll quickly cover the what's not working because honestly, a big part of what's not working as well as it could. It is certainly working well in pockets are these uh, collaborations uh, across uh, within countries, across countries. I look at what the European Union is doing and I am uh, humbled by some of the activities that are happening in Europe, certainly uh, as compared to to uh, what I've seen in, uh, previously. So I would say it is um, uh, exciting to see what's going on. It's exciting to see the ambition of what's going on. And I think that the more that we are uh, actively leveraging and actively supporting, and um, I, I'll give you another alliteration, actively amplifying the work of mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. um, then I think uh, that we will be uh, much better off. So uh, the, one of the things that I was doing toward the end of my time in Canada was looking hard at collective impact uh, models for governance where like-minded organizations come together uh, supported by a strong backbone uh, that collaboratively work to get work toward common objectives with common measurement schemes and just bringing the group together and finding a way to achieve the collective outcome across a group of unconnected bodies and uh, across a group of unconnected organizations, aside from through their collective impact and their mutual goals. And I think that's one of the areas where I, I think there certainly are opportunities for us to be uh, working together consciously across organizations to make sure that we're leveraging the skills and expertise that are afforded by individual organizations while contributing to the whole solution that is necessary for um, our if I frame our global health uh, outcomes that we want uh, to achieve in the long run. In terms of what's working, um, I, I already alluded to some of this, but I, I would say during uh, COVID-19, the uh, awareness of the importance of digital tools, of the health data, of the analytics, uh, never was higher. Like everyone, certainly where I was, was glued to their cell phones on a daily basis to see what the, <laughs> the data were coming out every day. The ability of our digital tools to uh, suddenly spin in a dime and allow for virtual care visits with your doctor and really the massive expansion of telemedicine uh, was mm -hmm. absolutely huge. And the uh, expansion, growth, uh, and power of artificial intelligence to actually surf through the reams of data that we have in order to find the signal that actually creates a meaningful insight that yeah can actually meaningfully save lives uh, and create better health outcomes. I, all of those things happened at the same time in the last couple of years. Uh, wow. And so there is huge momentum across all of those channels for doubling down investment and activity in order to uh, expand and scale those items in and of themselves. Um, but that leads me sadly to one of the other challenges that we have, which is that a lot of what we're trying to do across many countries, not all countries, across many countries, they're trying to 
uh, grow their digital tool footprint. They're trying to better integrate their data. They're trying to better make use of artificial intelligence in an incredibly fragmented uh, uh, systems and and structure and systems both from a technology perspective and systems also from a policy perspective. Um, Reflecting on what you said actually earlier on, and this is one of the things uh, an expert group on the Pan-Canadian Health Data Strategy said in one of their reports, was that there are the barriers to the transformation uh, we're looking for are not technical. The barriers are uh, social and are, are social, cultural, and mm-hmm. policy and process. Uh, yeah. But they're all things that are within the uh, mandate of people. And that's actually when I was listening to to the podcast from last week. Um, yes. And I have to agree that um, uh, the the language that I use, I tend much more into trustworthiness. Organizations yeah. must be able to demonstrate their trustworthiness. That trustworthiness is calibrated to the requirements of the public. But mm-hmm. then after they've demonstrated the trustworthiness, it's still up to the public, the providers, and each other to work out if they have done enough. If they haven't done enough, then that means that there was a new requirement that they haven't been told, um, or there's just a fundamental barrier. But um, I I think that layer of trustworthiness uh, across organizations, which from people to people and uh, from health workers to health workers and health workers to people are all essential uh, if we actually want to be, if we want to be moving forward with our overall ecosystem. So I think that the awareness mm-hmm. of that has gone up massively. I think that the political will to tackle these topics is certainly growing uh, significantly. Uh, I just want to make uh, my uh, belief and hope is that as we're tackling this problem, in particular among systems that are already significantly fragmented, is to demonstrate that having an integrated approach across the digital, the data, and the analytics is necessary. That if we invest all of our money into AI without thinking mm-hmm. about the digital and data foundations, yep. we're going to create fantastic insights that are really, really, really hard to scale. Um, if we focus all, only on the digital and the data, then frankly, we're not going to actually use the data and, and using the data is actually where the value comes about. So, uh, and if we focus on the data and the analytics, but not the digital, then we'll do this, but then we're going to hit a security breach uh, and we're going to lose trust with the ecosystem. I, one of the uh, challenges uh, that I, w- I was expecting to be said last week, so I'll say it now. Uh, you gain trust in drips and you lose trust in buckets. Going yeah. back to my water analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. the and I think that as we're engaging in these systems, um, we have sadly had too many experiences where trust has been weakened, where we have, have ha- had holes in our bucket, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So we need to repair those holes in our bucket 
while we're also continue to earn the the drips of uh, of trust going forward. And I think all of that is necessary. And I think the environment is right. I think the public mm-hmm. awareness is right. I think pu- uh, patient and public advocacy groups are uh, becoming louder in their in their work. There's actually another one of your guests uh, from I think season one, Godza, uh, that was talking about the work of the European Patient Forum. Uh, that yeah. was and data saves lives, and it was, uh, I, I'm humbled again um, for some of their work because it, it's truly tremendous, and I think absolutely necessary for us to uh, sustain the momentum uh, and the political will in order to sustain the change that needs to happen in the medium uh, and long term, the short, medium, and long term. So a tremendous broad sweep of course a number of, of aspects of kind of what's working, what's not, what's not globally, as it were. Um, and um, I, I think to the end, just to, to pick out a, a few points that come to mind from, from your comments. I mean, first and foremost, we live in an environment worldwide, as opposed to healthcare, where we have got um, challenges with even implementing basic care, you know, traditional you know, care, if however you want to define that in, in, in terms of uh, the, you know, the care models that we have right through to the highly technical and highly technologically advanced and so forth as you say artificial or ersatz if you like intelligence and so on but you know uh where we're almost we're almost at the cusp maybe and there are now significant discussions aren't there about how we are augmenting if you like, at the very least human decision making in clinical care and maybe and you know that's where maybe much of the debate is focusing on correctly or otherwise, in replacing human decision-making in, in, in healthcare. And I, th- I think for many, that's still a long way off and, and probably rightfully so. Um, but so we have this broad spectrum from kind of basic care right through to to, uh, to the highly technically advanced or technologically advanced. And then, you know, we woven within that, you know, this, this broad human aspect of, you know, why are we doing this? Well, we're providing healthcare um, to humans to uh to to, to the to, you know, citizens the public and, and indeed specifically patients but also humans are, are obviously greatly involved <laughs> pretty much you know, the human resource is the key resource in all of this internationally you know within our local care settings as well in in, in doing this um and we are trying to empower multiple kind of um organizations right down to individuals as it were to enhance our outcomes, ensure people have good quality of life, longevity of quality of life, um, and and or you know if ill, sick or otherwise, you know recover from that. Hopefully, uh, of course, that's not always the case, as we know, and as there's sadly you know large populations that are, are ill and or disabled and so forth as well. So we have this very broad and very complex environment, and I've done a disservice by summarising it so, so so rudely, I suppose, from that aspect, and then woven into this increasing ability to your point using the the pipes, the water and the outlets, as it were, to ensure that we can generate, hopefully again, actionable, meaningful insights uh, on this, whether it's in the basic care or indeed to feed increasingly highly advanced technologies, AI and and machine learning and so forth as well, which which may impact tremendously in in the future and already starting to to impact on some elements of our healthcare already already today. Um, We are coming, as always, inevitably, close to the to uh, to the end of our, our time i think you you may want to pick up on what, what i've just said but also i'd love to ask you in the remaining time what you see as maybe from your perspective your role you know what are the priorities maybe in the near term for digital health but, but back to you eric 
So thank you. Uh, I, I'll respond to what you were saying before, because one of the other, I think, really positive things that's happening around the world is recognizing that we want to be moving more toward person-centric health systems, yeah. recognizing the person being empowered in their own health creates billions of people who are advocating and try to achieve their better health outcomes. So it's actually expanding the workforce uh, exponentially uh, and also a drive toward more integrated care, recognizing mm -hmm. that, especially in the world of multi-chronic conditions, that yes. uh, care being delivered by one provider uh, is going to be very challenging for, for an individual, whereas an individual being cared by a team, including their radiologists, their pharmacists, their primary care provider, and their specialists, and when necessary in acute care, I think that that is uh, a, a very important uh, direction that we're going. Um, having said that, in the aspects of integrated care, Obviously, having this digital foundation uh, the, the, of all these aspects is going to be absolutely essential to make sure the right people have the right data when and where they need it. Yeah. Um, and the person's centricity, that's part of the challenge that we have because a lot of the investments that we make, the multi-billions have invested that we've uh, made in health in the last many years from a technology perspective has been mm -hmm. in facility-centric systems as opposed to people-centric systems. And so to pivot from the facility-centric designs that we have today to a person-centric design is very uh, difficult to achieve and mm -hmm. oftentimes is met with friction because we've already invested all this money. Why do you want us to do something very different now? And mm -hmm. so I think that there are uh, opportunities yeah. in that space. Uh, and this mm -hmm. is where I think that from an AI perspective, I think that, and even analytics for at large, I think there are certainly opportunities to do more with analytics, of which AI is one of the tools within the broader analytic toolbox. Um, yeah that uh, in order to address some of the rudimentary things that we want to do while also enabling the, the fantastic stuff. I'll give you an example, um, a paper I just read from Canada, not surprisingly, uh, far from Nova Scotia, talked about how they did an analysis of the work of some providers. And um, in that work, they recognized that they spent one day a week administrating effectively, yeah. and of that time administrating, about one-third of the time was non-value-add administration, which they ascribed as red tape. I look yeah. at that, and I think across all of that, I, I wonder to what extent um, by bringing uh, the automation, the automatability of some of these processes through things like AI, uh, in mm -hmm. order to be like companion assistants to listen to the conversation, pre-populate the records to actually, so the doctor doesn't have to type, they yeah. just have to hit commit. Right. Um, right. And then they scrape the, the, the natural language into the actual structured record in and of itself. Like these are all things that technologies can do today. We just have to exactly. unleash them. The other yeah. thing that in that same vein is that from a health data governance perspective, and the OECD has been doing a lot of work on this since uh, mm -hmm. at least 2016, um, is we have required people to enter a lot of data in their day-to-day -day jobs 
that mm-hmm. are no longer necessary or are redundant because of other new innovations. We've added a lot of data requirements, but we haven't yeah. taken away a lot of data requirements. We haven't rationalized the data, the whole data set. And I think that if we apply better data governance along at the same alongside uh, the application new analytic and AI techniques, we can actually significantly relieve those health providers to be able to provide more practice. And the estimates that they had from this one study was that by relieving that work at a Canadian level, it could create the equivalent of 4,000 practitioners. I don't want to even speculate what that could actually be at a global level. But you Mm. can imagine where everybody is trying to, how do I create a bigger, better workforce? Um, that's going to take 10 years to train doctors, train new nurses in, in order to actually get them to actually be in practice. Whereas uh, lowering the workload through some of these technology techniques can actually create the equivalent of that massive number of doctors at the same time. I think that is an opportunity for us to do both tracks in and of itself. Um, okay. And so and so in said doing, I think that is one of the areas where we could actually make some meaningful progress going forward is to really investigate, really rationalize in our workflows uh, amongst the health workforces, but also around our researchers. How many researchers collect the same data set and then have to cleanse the same data set over and over and over again uh, to their local standards, um, as opposed to having it done in a consistent way. And so that way, uh, the the people who are gathering the data for analytic purposes are spending 20% of their time cleansing and yeah. wrangling the data, 80% of their time doing analytics, as opposed to what practically has happened. This is one yeah. of the stories from my financial days. 80% of the time doing the wrangling and the quality and 20% yeah. doing analytics. Yeah. So again, how can we apply practices around health data governance and AI and other analytical tools in order to really drastically lower the non-value-added administration while uh, creating the the value-add. I think that ties to a second area that I would call out, which are around um, within these three layers, what are the policies that need to be in place Mm -hmm. for an integrated digital health ecosystem? Um, and how can those policies, like what are some of those leading practices that others can learn from? What are those common areas where we actually need a policy in this space and we don't have one and nobody has one? Well, is that an opportunity for cross-border collaboration? And so identifying what that set of policies are and working collaboratively to create the uh, harmonized set of what those policies could be while allowing for the local implementations of those things, I think is a a major area where we can create uh, real momentum in this space. And the third, and really thinking of the financial aspects of this, because this is not cheap, uh, one of the things that uh, we do not do well in the data perspective is ironically measure the effectiveness of the data ecosystem itself. So our systems, our more mature, more effective digital health ecosystems actually achieving better health outcomes? Do they achieve better trust amongst the public? Do they achieve you know, better public health measures being in place, more rapidity of putting public health measures in place in more precision manners? Are they actually able to take advantage of new innovations and in things like genomics, for, for example? And measuring that maturity of those systems, the outcomes that they achieve, and creating that simple argument for the financial people saying, actually, by using data, 
reusing your data assets, preventing the fragmentation of our data assets, trying to, to stitch things together more effectively is something that actually creates more resilient health systems, more sustainable health systems that actually create better health outcomes at lower cost, which from a CFO's perspective, chief financial officer's perspective, is going to be music to their ears. But we need to provide the tools for the the people who are making the pitches to their financial uh, boards to make it easy for them to tell that story in of itself. And I think that's one of the other areas I would really think that we need to be spending significant time on. Wonderful. That Fantastic. I mean, well, can't disagree with any point you raised, Eric. And if I again can uh, concretely summarize, I suppose, if we take your water analogy, you know, it, putting in the pipes, as you say, uh, ensuring that the water is going through the pipes and then having those outlets, but actually also linked to that is like, the, like the, all the V's, of course, you know, what's the volume, the, 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 um, um, the veracity and viscosity of and the variety of you know and of 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 and the velocity of that water if you like um and and in and, and clearly proof in the tasting if you like you know what's the quality of that water and so forth and how much are we spending on it for that quality and so on and i could go on <laughs> in terms yeah, of that unfortunately we're running running out of time which is a real shame uh, so what i want to say to you is thank you so much for for providing your thoughts insights your vision actually in terms of integrated uh, digital health ecosystems you know for, for today but certainly into the future i hope that those listening and everyone involved in 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 conscious collaboration with you and the oecd uh, as a kind of coalition of the like-minded you say can look forward to to, to making many aspects of that uh, that we have today much more rational, I suppose, and, and much more actionable and, and much more uh, useful, but also to your point, build particularly in areas of gaps, whether it's technically uh, from a governance perspective, from a policy perspective, trust and trustworthiness and reliance on those systems and so forth that are, are, are involved in supporting that, um, you know, a, a true reality. And as you say, you, with universality, particularly in terms of access internationally. And what I hope we can do, Eric, is, is, is ask you back for a future episode to see how far we're we're progressing. Uh, clearly not in season four. I think there's a bit of a short time horizon, but but certainly you know sometime in the future, of course, as well. But we'd love to have you back. But Eric, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your very erudite uh, considerations and comments and your vision. Really appreciated. I, I am honoured to have been here, Nigel, especially given many of the guests you've had in the past. I. I binge to to the entire series and cannot believe that I'm actually here today speaking with you. So thank you for being here. Thank you to your listeners for being patient with my ramblings. I will freely say that uh, everything I've said here is probably somewhat imperfect. And the idea is to bring together people to actually create something that is good enough to move things forward uh, in order to, for us to be making collective progress. And the last thing I, I could say is that if we can just try our best to avoid the destructive duplication, foster better conscious collaboration in order to actively amplify each other's work, then we'll actually be able to get further faster. Uh, it's the, the classic quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go yeah. far, go together. And we truly, yeah. truly have far to go. So we have to go together. Well, fantastic. And we live in imperfect world with imperfect beings, but we're aiming for some perfection. Uh, agreed. No, thank you very much, Eric.
A pleasure, Nigel. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you very much indeed to Eric for a really insightful discussion on a global perspective around digital health and also based on his experience uh, from Canada. And uh, coincidentally, for our next episode, our next uh, conversationalist, Aaron Liebtag, who's Chief Executive Officer of Pentavir, which is a startup based in Canada, but with an international reach. And we're going to discuss particular focus on unstructured data and the use of natural language processing, uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence approaches to managing that, but also some of the applications of using these types of tools and methods, particularly around supporting things like clinical trial optimization, as well as evidence generation uh, more at scale. So very much looking forward to that conversation in our upcoming episode. And I sincerely hope you are too, as our audience. Thank you. Yeah.